Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Come on, let's give him praise here today. In the name of Jesus, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, did you come to bless him here tonight? Did you come to bless him with the fruit of your lips, which is your praise and your worship? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, my heart still says yes, Jesus. My heart still says yes. Hallelujah. My lips still praise you, God. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's lift up our hands for a few moments and let's love him. Come on, he's in this house. Jesus, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I feel his presence in this house. I believe that God's already confirming what he wants to do here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's magnify him. Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise. Hallelujah. In the wonderful name of Jesus. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you all for coming on a Wednesday night. And uh, this is... This is an opportunity. Wednesday nights, you know, Sunday's kind of celebration. We just kind of party. I was talking to somebody the other day about the difference between preaching and teaching. I said, just remove the first letter. Preaching is where you're reaching. Teaching is for each. Amen. And so uh, there's, uh, when you reach, you pull out your nets and you go for everybody. But when you teach, you're bringing it down to the nitty-gritty and you're going for each individual person. And what I love about Wednesday nights is it's an opportunity for people to be edified and perfected through the Word of God. And, uh, you know, not everybody wants that. And some just want, some people just want cake all the time. Uh, but, but there's some people in the house of the Lord here tonight that you want, you want the meat of the Word of God. And I honor you and I bless you here tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go open to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7 through 10. And then we'll be opening up to 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. I'm going to do a little pastoring tonight. Is that all right? Amen. And I'm going to, I've been praying and, and waiting for the right moment and when God kind of speaks to me. And tonight we're going to, we're going to just, we're going to start drawing some lines here tonight. Amen. And uh, we're going to do it with a good spirit, a good attitude. And uh, again, I, I want you to know that after this service, if you want to have, if you have questions, please come see me. I'd love to talk to you about it. And uh, a good friend of mine said this, I can only expect, or I can only inspect that which I had told people I expect. And as a pastor, uh, that is my job. I've got to inspect. I mean, God's called us to be fruit inspectors. And I can only inspect what I have made an expectation for. And so tonight we're going to set some clear expectations uh, for uh, Christian living. Amen. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Paul is writing and he says, Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I'm going to be talking about what those mean here in a moment. I will therefore that men, all the men said amen. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. 
In like manner also that the women, all the women said amen. We're talking to everybody here tonight. That the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or with gold or pearls or costly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness with good works. If you can turn open your Bible a little further to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We're going to spend our time in 1 Timothy, but I, I want to bring about in more context to show that this was not just Paul. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word. Amen. It's possible to save your spouse without the word. Because they will be won by the conversation, the lifestyle, the behavior of the wife. While they behold your chaste conversation, again, not just talking about communication through the verbal form, but you communicate and we communicate uh, non-verbally as well. Through that chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be with the outward adorning of the plating of hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. I want you to know that God looks at our spirit and he says, that's valuable to me. For after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being subject in subjection or submission to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, gentlemen, we don't get out of this. Amen. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. How you and I live affects our Christian walk. How we live, even married folks, affects our prayer life, that our prayers be not hindered. And I want to talk to us for a few moments on this subject, modeling eternity. Modeling eternity. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray. Let's pray that God would open up our ears, open up our minds, open up our hearts. God, that as we, as we get into these waters, God, these deep waters, I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we navigate. Amen. There's a lot of landmines, God, from people in their previous paradigms, some coming from uh, very conservative backgrounds that maybe didn't say it with the right spirit and others that maybe have never heard this. God, I'm praying that you would help me to communicate it in love, God, that we would receive it as such, Lord, that all of this would be, amen, so that we could be a perfect representation here on earth of eternity with you, God. I'm praying, Lord, that you would bless us, Lord, to be more like you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Modeling eternity. Part of my duty as a pastor is what Paul has 
discussed and talked about today, that he was called to be a teacher amen, in faith and in verity. I'm going to talk about that here in a moment and tell you a little bit about what that means. But often my job as a pastor is not just for the here and now. I know that sometimes we think that everything depends on the here and now. But, uh, but much of life is for the then and there. Amen. You've got you've to get a retirement account, not for the here and now. You've got to get it for the then and there. And part of my job as a pastor is for the then and there. Amen. Uh, and the lines that we draw, I've already mentioned and I've already talked about. We do this because we love the master. We do this to be a good witness. I, I've really tried my best to get to the why before we ever get to the what. Um, but ultimately, it's in these moments today, in these macro, miniature moments on a Wednesday night, where we are actually setting our course and we are, we are casting vision uh, for what kind of church we want to be in the future. And if we don't focus and we don't mention certain things, uh, Paul talked about that we've got to we got to hold on, amen, to the faith, lest any of these things should slip. If we do not take moments out like tonight and discuss and teach some of these subjects, we will just be one generation away from the apostolic church here in Carson City, no longer looking apostolic no longer being apostolic, and, and, and then our children and our grandchildren uh, may not even be saved. And so I've got the weight of eternity on me here tonight to make sure that I, I list it out and I say it as plain as possible that as the pastor of ARC, I am not trying to build a charismatic church. If you want a charismatic church, you are free to go anywhere else. Now, I'm not asking you to leave. Amen. I want to teach you and I want to work with you. Um, but, well, pastor, what can we get away with and still go to heaven? That's not the mindset I want to pastor. I want the mindset that says, how close can we get to God like Enoch and not be taken up right away? Amen. How close can I get to, to Jesus and still keep my feet firmly planted here on terra firma? Amen. And, and that mindset is a whole different mindset. Amen. It's not a mindset that looks for bare minimums of what I can get away with and what will, uh, what will be acceptable in the church. Amen. And, and I also want to mention that what I'm talking about tonight is a, is a biblical ideal, a Christian ideal, a traditional ideal. And there's going to be people that come into the building that are new. I am not telling them or speaking to anybody in this building that you need to go up to them and start correcting them. That is not your job. That's mine. Uh, I've been here almost three years, and I met a few folks and heard of a few times where they've gone up to a visitor, and they've just let them have it. If I hear about you letting them have it, I'm going to let you have it, and you won't like it. Amen. You've got to let them get in the boat so that the master can clean them. You don't clean the fish while they're still in the sea. And when somebody comes into the kingdom of God, if you are coming and you are in the process of sanctification and holiness, I want to encourage you and provoke you, prod you with an electric cattle prod to keep on moving forward in Jesus. Amen. 
I want to keep propelling you and encouraging you to keep walking forward in Jesus. But, but, but if you are seeing somebody that is not where they need to be, just leave them alone. Amen. I hope I've, hope I've shown that uh, to be patient with people over the last two and a half years. I don't just get them. Amen. In fact, I, I don't like that mindset that the pastor has to be uh, the guy with the whip. Amen. I'm not the guy with the whip. Jesus only grabbed a whip one time. Amen. And some pastors want to have the whip in their hand at all times. I don't want to do that. I want to bless the Lord at all times. Amen. I only want to pull out. The Bible says that the man of God should only pull out the sword if he's got intention to draw blood. And uh, the only time you draw blood is when your family's in danger, when the church is in danger. And we've got to make sure that we, uh, we keep the crib Amen. Uh, uh, full of oxen. Amen. And sometimes the crib gets a little dirty, but that's okay because revival gets a little messy. But we should never allow it to get to the place where it's falling over and dilapidated. Amen. There's got to be work involved in keeping ourselves pure and keeping ourselves holy and making sure that the apostolic church is still apostolic. Now, uh, now, I, I don't ever want somebody to come to church and go, man, your church doesn't look apostolic. Uh, when they look up at people that are in leadership and people that are on the platform and they, don't, they can't tell the difference between them and the charismatic down the road. I think I failed as a pastor if that ever happens. But if they come to our church and they see some sinners and some visitors and people that are in the process, amen, I hope that they never see our church so spick and span that there's never anybody that doesn't look apostolic. Amen. ARC will always have new and we will always have old. We will always have those that have been living for God a while and those that are just starting their Christian journey. Amen. And so I want to clearly state that because I don't want there to be any confusion. I want to be very plain. It is not your job to clean the fish. Amen. That is my job and that is uh, God's job. Amen. God has ordained me a preacher as Paul was right here. And that was his job. And so if you see somebody that is starting out, that is struggling, encourage them, uh, but don't rebuke them. That is not your position. Amen. And, uh, and if you come and you say, well, pastor, I think you ought to do this and I think you ought to do that, you, you don't understand. There's, there's things behind the scenes you may not know about. Amen. And I've had some people say, well, you should deal with this. But I've got a whole other slew of things that are much more important than that. Uh, there's, there's times, well, you, you, you know, you should tell those people, no, I shouldn't because I'm glad they're coming to church. And if you only knew what a struggle it was for them to get to the building, you just leave them alone about X, Y, or Z. And somebody said, amen. We agree. Do we agree here tonight? How many wants to have a revival church? How many wants to have a growing church? Amen. A growing church. You know, if we ever want to have a church of 500, here's a simple rule. Don't run off 499 of them. <laughs> and so we got to have a revival mindset, which, which means we are, we are people that have nets. We are building the kingdom, not demolishing it. So let's be builders. And everybody said amen. So Paul says that it is his job, and it's mandated to us as pastors and preachers, that he was a teacher, and he taught them in faith. Everybody say in faith. faith. And we're going to exegete here tonight which means we're going to stay in one chapter and we're going to break down word by word. And we're going to go through this, this, this one passage of Scripture. We won't hit every word, but we're going to hit the major ones. And uh, hopefully I won't take up too much of your time, but hopefully it brings a little understanding. 
Okay, that word in faith means persuasion. Everybody say persuasion. Everybody say credence. That's your creed. That's your, your doctrinal belief. Moral conviction. A system of religious truths itself. Okay, so as a pastor, my job is to teach them in faith, which means I've got to teach them of this persuasion, of this apostolic creed, of this moral convictions that we have, of the system of religious truth itself. And as being apostolic, I've already mentioned that we draw lines on many different levels. We draw them because they're moral lines. We draw them because they're traditional lines. Amen. We draw them for all sorts of reasons. And, and some people will say, well, I don't agree with that. Great for you. I'm the pastor, and I am going to teach you the faith, which is a system of religious truths, whether they are traditional, whether they are moral. We're going to talk about them here tonight. Uh, everybody say verity. He said, I'm going to teach them in verity. That word is a true principle or belief. It is, a, is especially one of, the, one of fundamental importance. Everybody say fundamental importance. Modesty is the next thing he starts talking about. After talking about verity, which is a principle that is of fundamental importance. We're going to talk about modesty here tonight. Modesty is of fundamental importance. Well, I don't know about that. I don't agree with that. Paul just told us that what he's about to tell Timothy is of fundamental importance. All right, so we're going to start with what Paul started with. He started with the men. All the men said amen. But I want to go beyond genders here tonight because both of these can be correlated both to men and women. When he talks to the men, you'll notice a pattern. He's talking about the spirit behind the principle. He starts out by saying, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. All the men say pray everywhere. Praying everywhere means being spiritual everywhere. Not just a at-church Christian. If the only time you are a Christian is when you're at church. Now, this isn't just for the men. This is for the ladies, too, because the spirit behind it is the same. And I'll get to that when he says in like manner also. We've got to be spiritual people everywhere we go. If we are on the job, they need to know we are a Christian. If we are at home, they need to know we're a Christian. If we are at church or at Walmart, they need to know that we are a Christian. When he said pray everywhere, he was saying you have to have a witness that goes outside of these four walls. And everybody said amen. What is your witness saying about you? When people look at your life, do they see you as a spiritual person or a carnal person? If they were to look at you and observe your life, would they say, that is a Christian, that is a patient individual, that is a loving individual, that is a kind individual? Or would they look at your life and say, that person's always got a problem with everybody else? Pray everywhere. 
Be a Christian everywhere. Lift, you got you got you got to get a hold of God everywhere. Let me take this a little further. Everywhere is not just talking about location and locale here on earth, but everywhere is in certain seasons of your life. Amen. What about when you got money? Pray everywhere. What about when you're broke? Pray everywhere. What about when you're healthy? Pray everywhere. What about when you're sick? Pray everywhere. There's got to be, amen, consistency. Everybody say consistency. To be modest, to be holy, to be like Jesus, amen, to be a Christian. There's got to be consistency. Well done, thou good and talented individual. Well done, thou good and rich individual. Broke individual. <laughs> we'll go down every list if we got to. Well done, thou good and faithful. We, and we might talk about this in the future, faithfulness. I mean, that's why I honor you for being here tonight. Faithfulness is fleeting in our society. Fleeting in marriages. Amen. The Bible says, every man will boast of his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Ladies, if you've got a faithful man by your side, don't think it'd be better with the grass on the other side. Because a faithful man is hard to find. They're difficult to come by. And faithfulness in people, this is why you go by and they close the jack-in-the-box at 4 p.m. because they can't find a faithful worker. It makes me mad. I want tacos. Praise God. It's hard. This is why after post-COVID, you think everybody after not working for a year, they need to make some money and they go get a job. But everywhere you drive around Carson City and Reno and Gardnerville and Lake Tahoe, it says help wanted. Now they're starting to say help needed. Because they can't find anybody to fill the positions. Because people don't want to be faithful. They don't want to be consistent. They don't want to do what they be what they are everywhere. Can I preach to the church and teach to the church? We should be the same everywhere. If you see me at the coffee shop, I should be the same at the coffee shop as I am at church. If you see me at Walmart, I should be the same at Walmart as I... Well, I just dress this way for church. I just look apostolic when I come to church. No, you need to look the same everywhere you go. Praise God. Man, I know of sometimes young people, young ladies especially, they'll wear a skirt to church and they'll pack pants to school because they don't want their friends to know they're apostolic. you got to do this everywhere. Being a Christian doesn't take breaks. Let me put it this way. When you go on vacation... Look the same as you would if you were in town and the pastor was hanging out with you. <laughs> Don't. Amen. No apostolic should be wearing certain things. Amen. Uh, we are called to holiness. Amen. Not to, to worldliness. Not to ungodliness. Amen. Let me move through this because I want to be sensitive here tonight. He continues on lifting up. Everybody say lifting up. Which is to exalt. Amen. We should be an uplifting people. Amen. This, this is, again, you take these words, and I know they put a lot of filler words in there, but those filler words are added. Amen. It's literally saying, amen, be consistent everywhere. Amen. To, to be spiritual everywhere. To lift up, which is to exalt. Here's another word that we'll understand. Everybody say control. you got to be in control. Everybody say self-control. Again, you notice how he's talking to men, and he's specifically talking about their, their mental capacities. Because men typically, again, you can't put this broad statement everywhere, uh, we're not so much consumed with the outward. 
fact, that's why, ladies, you got to dress us nice because we don't know how to do it ourselves. Uh, but 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 you got to get a man's mind cleaned up. Well, let me say that again. You got to get a man's mind cleaned up. Amen. That's see, ladies, we might focus on the outward, but with men, we got to focus on the inward. Amen. We've got to get men, amen, to stop in their spirit slouching over. We got to get you to be lifted up. We got to get you to exalt a little bit. Amen. To see yourself a little bit higher. To see others a little bit higher. One of the fruits of the spirit is self control and to be apostolic you've got to exercise self-control everybody say balance you got to be balanced amen we're talking about modeling eternity this is this is what amen christian people are supposed to be we're supposed to be balanced if you are on fire today but you are freezing cold tomorrow that's what creates lukewarm christians Lukewarm is hot and cold mixed together. Amen. And he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Amen. We're talking about consistency. We're talking about balance. Amen. If you go from being on fire and coming to church and you're excited and the very next week you're down in the dumps and you're not lifted up at all and you don't want to lift up your hands and worship because mentally you know you messed up this week. Amen. You got to go back to the first principle. Pray everywhere, even when you fail, even when you mess up up and you got to let God balance you out bring you back into control amen let's continue on amen I, I could go down this and I could preach each and every one of these but I'm not going to tonight okay what do you lift up holy hands I want you to notice Paul is not focusing on the fact that our physical hands are holy he is referring to the imagery of the Old Testament the Old Testament, as many of us will be aware, is continually filled with the illusions and, and, and the direction towards clean hands being symbolic of godly actions and of a pure heart. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15, he says this in the negative. And when you spread forth your hands, speaking of unclean hands, I will hide my eyes from you. And when you make your prayers, I will not hear because your hands are full of blood. He uses the same example talking about David, that his hands were full of blood. Does that mean his hands were physically full of blood? No, it's that his hands, his spirit was unclean. He then proceeds on saying, wash you, get clean, put away the evil doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, your hands, your actions, your activities, your thought process. He said, learn to do well, your action, your activity. Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. He said, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. He's telling them, you've got dirty hands, not in the physical. But when we look at your thought process, when we look at your activity, when we look at your internet history, amen, when we look at what's on your cell phone, when we look at your text messages, when we look at your direct messages, when we look at the private things that nobody else sees, you've got unclean hands. And he's saying, Let's reason together. Let's get your hands clean. When men come to church and they cannot worship, it's because they got dirty hands. 
You come in looking like a stone soldier, a terracotta soldier, and you can't lift your hands. I'll tell you what's going on in a man's mind. You've got problems up here, and because you've got bondage up here, it's now affecting your ability, amen, in the physical. This is why, amen, men, amen, start struggling in their marriage. They can't love properly because up here there's a mental struggle. Their hands are not clean. Let's talk about it from the positive. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart and has not lifted up their soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. He is talking to the men that I want you to pray everywhere. Be consistent. Amen. Lifting up. You've got to be You've got to be balanced. You've got to be, amen, in, in the right mindset. Uh, amen. And you've got to lift up those holy hands. Amen. And those holy hands are clean. They've been purified. When we have holy hands, uh, we are, amen, to be about the business of good works with a pure heart. Amen. If we want the Lord to hear our prayers, amen, if we want God to respond to us, we've got to say, God, could you wash these hands? Amen. God, could you could you, could you, you cleanse the activities of my life? Could you cleanse the activities of my mind? Could you cleanse the activities of my spirit? Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Come on, it's a good opportunity. We're talking, amen, right now to the men, but also to the ladies. There's something about having a pure conscience, having a pure heart. It's hindering your worship to not get that under the blood of Jesus. It's hindering your walk with God. It's hindering your church attendance. It's hindering your giving. It's hindering your worship. It's hindering your lifestyle. It's hindering your marriage because you haven't got those hands clean. Let me continue on because we've, we've gone 29 minutes and I want to get us out of here in a decent hour. It is hard to serve God with unholy hands. Because if there are lifting up of holy hands, that must mean there's also a lifting up of unholy hands. It is hard to serve God with an unholy lifestyle. It is hard to serve God who is holy with unholy life choices. We've got to repent. And we've got to say, Lord... Even if it makes me uncomfortable, your word is right, and I am not right now. Lord, would you help me? And you would be amazed. It doesn't take, it doesn't take 10 years. It doesn't take 10 months. It doesn't take 15 altar calls. It takes one prayer meeting where you lift up your hands. Maybe you haven't been doing it everywhere. Maybe your hands have been unclean and unholy, but you make it up in your mind. You know what, God, I, I want you to forgive me of my Internet history. I want you to forgive me of, of looking that direction. I want you to forgive me of my imagination. And, and, and men, you lift up your hands and say, God, would you clean these hands again? And all of a sudden, God cleanses you. And it happens immediately. But those, those holy hands are lifted up. Without some things. Without wrath. Everybody say wrath. Okay, we're going again. The spirit of holiness for men. This also can translate to ladies. It's not, it's not just gender specific. But he was, he was saying this is what predominantly men are struggling with. Amen. I don't typically have to tell men uh, to put clothes on. I usually have to tell them, get your mind right. That wrath, that word wrath means desire. Without desire. That word desire means excitement. Of the mind. 
going to hit some things for a moment. Violent passion, anger, indignation, vengeance. That word can mean many things. But typically, it is what is going on in the mind of a man that hinders his ability to truly live holy before God. To model a true Christian, it's that they've let their imagination run wild. And it could have been just an ad, just an image, and you've let your mind get too excited and you've not gotten that under the blood of Jesus. There is mercy and there is grace to, for you tonight. Amen. And with that, with that holiness in mind, amen, he's telling you and I that we are to lift up holy hands without that wrath, without those desires. Amen. And that's not saying you don't struggle, but it's saying, Lord, uh, amen, I need your help in this struggle. Amen. But also with men, amen, there's times where we get passionate. And passion is not always a bad thing, but it can be turned into a bad thing if it's used for the wrong things. And, and, and there's times where the Bible specifically talks to men that we are not to be brawlers. Amen. There should never be a, a reason for you to get violent with anybody. Amen. You should never allow your emotions to get out of control and your anger and your vengeance and your indignation. Let me just say this. There is a never, amen, a good excuse to hit your wife or to hit your kids we're talking about holiness we can't allow ourselves to get out of control let's continue on without doubting that, that's a big challenge for men without doubting which means a discussion and internal consideration or debate because even while I'm talking here tonight there's an internal debate going on in a lot of men's minds I don't know about that. And then it translates its way to an external dispute. This is where I would say that this, to be a holy man, we are not to get into vain debates. Hallelujah. I don't care who you voted for. Keep it to yourself. Keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> and in this generation, everybody thinks because they got a Facebook, they've got a, they've got a position and a right. Well, in America, I've got freedom of speech. You don't have that in the kingdom of God. In fact, you've got to bridle your tongue, the Bible says. And there's times where you want to let it out, and you want to dispute, and you want to fight, and you want to argue. And there's something about us men. We just like a good argument. Amen. But we've got to rein that in because we want to be holy. We want to be modest. Amen. Because modesty is not just in dress. Modesty is a mindset. Modesty is a heart thought. Amen. A heart process. Amen. We've got to be holy. Amen. And then we're going to continue on because of the sake of time. With all of that being said, the Spirit amen of modesty the spirit of holiness he says in like manner also there would to most of us there'd seem no correlation between these two things but he's literally saying in the same spirit of what i was just talking about a fundamental doctrine he starts talking to the ladies but again it's not just talking about women he's talking about the action behind the principle he says that, that the women would adorn themselves. That word adorn means to decorate. Amen. There is a decoration that happens, ladies, and there's nothing wrong, amen, with that. But adorns also to put on. Amen. You'll notice that after Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says they were naked and they were ashamed. And so God made them clothes. But if you look in the Bible in the New Testament, there's a devil-possessed man that was crying and cutting himself in the tombs. And he was naked. 
One of the first signs in psychology of insanity is the removal of clothing. That's why kids are insane. Hallelujah. It's having fun here tonight. But it's one of the symbols of insanity. Our world's losing their ever-loving minds. They are taking their clothes off. Amen. Stuff that would not have even been acceptable even just 20 years ago has now become status quo and now is on TikTok and Instagram and Snap, all these things. And now you may not be there, but you can be there digitally and you can portray that. And I want to tell you that that is not the will of God. In fact, when you get saved, the Bible says he got saved and, the, and he was clothed and in his right mind. When you get the Holy Ghost, when you get baptized, you might have walked in looking a certain way, but you will walk out clothed. Well, I don't know about that. Brother, you you have not met Jesus. Amen. When Jesus meets somebody who is caught in the very act of adultery, he didn't say, it's okay, no problem, I love you anyways. He said, woman, I tell you, you're forgiven, but go your way and sin no more. When people come as they are, there's nothing wrong with that. You come in your sin, you come in your shame, but God never wants to leave you and I in our shame. You look in your Bible and you tell me if you find it or not. Amen. Nakedness is always indicative of shame. Amen. The Bible even has laws not to uncover, amen, a relative's nakedness. And you find that that Canaan was cursed because of what his father did. He uncovered his father's nakedness. Amen. There's something about, amen, the removal of garments and the removal of clothing, amen, that is not of God in the Bible and it's not of God today. But there's something about it through the scriptures uh, that anytime somebody went to another level he said you're going to be in the priesthood you're going to have to change your garments if you're going to be redeemed and forgiven you're going to have to put on the garment uh, that I made from you uh, from the skin of an animal your fig leaves uh, are showing too much flesh uh, and I've got to cover you God clothes people he clothed the ground God's interested in our clothing I don't think God cares about that. Let's continue on. Adorn, decorate, put on. Right? Notice how he says, I'm not talking about take off. He's saying you got to put on. So there's some things you need to put on if you're going to be modest. And then he continues on what you're supposed to put on. Modest apparel. So let's think about this logically. If there is such a thing as modest apparel, that infers that there must also be something known as immodest apparel. All right, everybody's on the same page here tonight. We got some scholars in the house of God. That word modest uh, means good behavior, orderly, proper, decent, befitting of a Christian, tasteful, tactful, correct, appropriate, suitable, fitting. I got a lot more. (laughs) Refined, polished. Dignified, respectable, civilized, formal, reserved, gentlemanly for the men, and ladylike for the ladies. Well, I wish the Bible would have said, this is where your sleeves go, and this is where your, this is where your, your skirt goes. It doesn't say that. That's what you got a pastor for, and we're going to talk about that here tonight. 
but it talks about modest apparel. And this is in the same vein where he says, if anything has as of a good report, if there be any praise, think on these things. He's using the same word, which means all of those. Amen. When the people look at you or when you look at yourself in the mirror, are you orderly? Can I preach about some people at Walmart? There's the whole thing about people at Walmart, what people decided to wear to Walmart. I pray that there's never an apostolic on people of Walmart. But I've been to a few places where I've walked in Walmart and I've seen the apostolic people and they and I, I don't want to be associated with them. You got to be orderly because that's modest. It goes beyond just whether your clothes are too tight. Are you orderly? Are you put together? If, if people see you, are they going to go, hey, I, I, you, you show up and you're just dragging in. I want to invite you to church and you just look like a hobo. Come on, be orderly. Be proper. Be decent. If it doesn't look decent, if, you, if, if your grandma would get embarrassed around you, well, we're about to have a new generation of grandmas. they got tattoos and everything. But if your great-grandma would be embarrassed to be around you, you probably should change some things. If one of these good church mothers has to come up to you, amen, or, or can I even say it to the men, if some of, us, uh, some of us men have to come by and say, hey, stop wearing stuff like that. Don't get offended. Don't get offended if you got somebody that you've allowed them to speak into your life and a good old church mother comes by and says, honey, that's too tight. That's not decent. If my wife has to come by and say, hey, sis, that's a little too tight. That's a little too short. It, well, you guys are legalistic. So be it. I want to get you to heaven. Amen. Because um, it's not decent. If we see things we shouldn't see, it's not decent. If we see lines we shouldn't see, it's not decent. Is it tasteful? That's not tasteful. If you wouldn't wear that in front of the president, don't wear that in front of Jesus. Is it appropriate? Okay, there's seasons, there's times. I might show up to church, or I might, I might show up to the coffee shop in a ball cap, but I'm not going to preach to you in one because it's not appropriate. I'm not going to show up to a funeral uh, and, and just uh, looking like I'm homeless, and, and I'm not trying to make fun of homeless people, but uh, somebody who cannot be, I'm going to show up, amen, trying to be presentable. I don't show up to a wedding, amen. Let me just say this. If somebody invites you to their wedding, dress up for it. Be appropriate for the situation. Hallelujah. Just pastoring a little bit. Suitable, fitting, refined, polished, dignified, respectable. If somebody looks at you and they go, man, I'd never want to go to your church. I don't want to be like you. You're not respectable in their eyes. Be civilized. Be formal. Be ladylike. Be gentlemanly. Amen. And again, it goes beyond your clothing. It's your actions. It's the way you carry yourself. Amen. I want to tell you that when God filled us with the Holy Ghost, he invested a lot into us. We don't need to carry ourselves, amen, like we're just nothing. We need to carry ourselves as we are. We are children of the king. Now let's define some things out. Deuteronomy 22 and 5. The woman should not wear that which pertains to a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. I've had people say, well, that's Old Testament. There's a problem with that. Well, wh wh why don't we just, why don't we also not wear wool and cotton? There's a difference. He said, there's an abomination to the Lord your God. And God doesn't change. He didn't say that wearing wool and cotton is an abomination to the Lord. But he did say, if a man wears a woman's garment, Listen, especially in this generation, everybody said Pentecost was crazy until right about now. Where they're now having, having transgender men get undressed in the ladies' locker room 
and now they're having a problem with it. Well, what's your problem if, if there is no such thing as gender? Okay? Our world's now, and I'm talking about in California, they're starting to backtrack and figure, oh, my goodness, we made a mistake. Because now there's no more li lines of demarcation. There's no more distinction between male and female. And yet there's a problem going on. So they thought Pentecost was crazy when we started saying, ladies, you need to look like a lady. And men, you need to look like a man. But the same people that have a problem with me as a pastor saying what the Bible says, which is, ladies, don't wear pants. We can go through that all. We can go in depth if you want. Are the, are the same people... That, that they would never want to see a man in a skirt. Well, I want to wear pants. Okay, well, but Lavin, bring a skirt to church on Sunday. Don't, please don't. Right, you see the contradiction? There's nothing wrong with you wearing pants, but there's a problem with the man wearing a skirt. Yet it's the same verse, and both of them are an abomination of the Lord. Men, don't dress like a woman. Don't, don't walk like a woman. Don't strut like a woman. Bible says effeminate. Shake hands like a man. Look people in the eyes. Get your chin up. I don't care if you didn't have a dad. I do care. Let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter whether you had a dad in your life or you didn't. Let's show you how to be a man. Don't walk like a sissy. Don't dress where we can see. Th this is not just a woman's problem anymore. Now it's like, gentlemen, it's time to start wearing, amen, a little extra fabric. Amen. If you gained a little weight, you might want to buy a new suit. I know it's a challenge, but we got to talk about it because now there's men that are wearing real tight shirts to show off the lack of muscles that they think they have. No, all we see is the Taco Bell. Somebody said Amen. We're, we're having fun, but we're pastoring here tonight. It, it's not just a ladies challenge anymore. It's now men because, let me just say this, you never know who's looking at you. Hey, hallelujah. That muscle shirt's not just attracting the lady down the road. It's attracting the gentleman across the aisle. Hey, hallelujah. There are going to be all sorts of people coming to the church of the living God, and we're going to pray them through the Holy Ghost. We're not going to judge. We're not going to criticize. We're not going to be mean-spirited. But I promise you this, we will stand firm on truth. They, I've had people come to church in, men come to church in skirts. And praise God, I said, let's have church. There's going to be people like that. People that are going to come in don't know what gender they are. Come on. But by the time you get done with Jesus and Jesus gets done with you. Again, I don't want to say this with a, a lot of people. Some people here tonight have come from really what I call ultra conservative churches where it's that they drew a, a different line than maybe I draw or that my pastor might have drawn. Um, but it's not just the ultra conservative in that conservative is. Uh, conservating or being conservative is bad. That's not a problem. But it's the way in which they project their conservative ways. So some people have been told, line up or get out of the church. Okay? And they've been told in such a mean spirit that people actually reject. It's like the old phrase, they throw the baby out with the bathwater because of how it was presented. I don't want to do that here tonight. I really don't. The Bible's very clear. Women don't wear men's clothing. And men don't wear women's clothing. It's for a few reasons. Number one, it's for distinction. He separated light and darkness, male and female. Okay? 
at the same time, it's for modesty. So when we talk about not wearing that which pertains to a man, we, we historically as Pentecost have drawn the line at, at pants being a man's garment. And we're going to hold to that. Because we know for a fact that a skirt is a lady's garment. A dress is a lady's garment. So ladies do that, but let's talk about how you do it. Again, I, I'm not a woman. I don't have to deal with your struggle, but my wife does. And, 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 and again, it, it, it's, it should not be so tight and revealing because that, that would not be modest apparel. It wouldn't be decent. Where we can see underwear and we can see all sorts. Of, it shouldn't be see-through. Uh, talk to my wife about layering. She's really good at that. Amen. She's got it all down. And if you need to know how to find stuff on the discount, she's got it covered. Praise God. You guys can find stuff for 50 cents. My wife, I'll give her 10 bucks. She walk in, walk out with three bags. And I'm like, I don't know how she did it. But, but she got layers. Amen. And, uh, and I, I, I can't think of very many times I've ever had to say, I think that's a little too tight. Because she's observing herself in the mirror. Where I draw the line, this is where I draw the line. Be very clear. Everybody listening? This is where my pastor did the line. This is where I draw the line. Modest. To the elbows and to the knees. Past the knees. This is not just skirts. Gentlemen, shirts. Uh, I prefer that you wear pants at all times. Well, what if you're swimming? Okay, if you're with just, just with your family, just make sure it goes below your knees. But remember, gentlemen don't know how to sit properly. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I, 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 happen to wear, I happen to wear running pants when I go swimming. A very strong swimmer. Hallelujah. Okay, that's just, that's just for me. But I've drawn that line. Now, we're not going to criticize if somebody does something a little different. That's, that's on them. But that's the line I'm drawing as a pastor. Is everybody all right with that? <laughs> tight clothing. It's got to go. Okay, layer it with something else that's not tight, that's not revealing. Uh, ladies, don't, don't have any crop tops, things like that. Gentlemen, don't have any crop tops or things like that. Somebody said amen. Okay, let's continue on. Everybody all right? We're almost done. We're having fun, but I want to get through this because I really feel like God is leading us to another level. We're going to move on to another subject here soon. Um, but I want to get through this because I want to make sure people know where we stand as an apostolic church. Okay, everybody say shamefacedness. Okay, many people don't understand what that means. It means plain. It means reverent. It means bashful. Okay, what does bashful mean? reluctant to draw attention to oneself. So modest apparel goes with shamefacedness, which is a reluctance to draw attention to oneself. If any clothing or any action or any activity are being done so that you can draw attention to yourself, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook or at the beach or wherever you are, you are not living the gospel according to 1 Timothy. Amen. Uh, and so it continues on. That word shamefacedness means excess of modesty. I know people that are looking for the bare minimums of modesty, but shamefacedness comes with the complete opposite. It's an excess of modesty. It's not the least I can do. It's what's the most I can do. Praise God. It's where you are firm in modesty. I want to help somebody understand because the word shame's in there, but let's understand what that really means. The idea is not that Christian women, or I could put it even this way, men, 
would always be somewhat ashamed of themselves. It's not telling you to be ashamed of yourself, ashamed of your body, ashamed of what you look like. That's not what it's saying. But it is telling us that they should have a deep aversion to anything that God says brings shame. If immodesty brings shame, cover up. If being naked brings shame, cover up. If an activity brings shame, fix the activity. Everybody make, make sense to everybody? Let's continue on. We're almost done. 50 minutes, we're almost done. Everybody say sobriety. sobriety. Sobriety means seriousness. There's a time and place for jokes. But in our life, we shouldn't be joking. In our marriage, we shouldn't be joking. I'm not trying to dress in a way, neither is my wife, to attract somebody else in the church. Amen. No activity is being done that way. No, no, no messages is why I message uh, ladies in the church. I don't message ladies in the church. My wife's in the text message. Well, that, you, that's a problem. Well, get used to it because my marriage is a serious deal. Hallelujah. Solemnness. Thoughtfulness. Everybody say thoughtfulness. When's the last time you thought about what you wore? Gravity. Severity. Dignity. We need to get some dignity back in our dress. Level-headedness. If what you wear, people think you're crazy. I remember going to a conference one time between here and Egypt. Um, won't mention where. And I showed up at the church, and I saw this girl. She had a choker around her neck, like with spikes. And then her, like, shoes had spikes. Now, hey, listen, that her, she got a dad, she got a pastor. But I'm like, man, that's a little out there. You know, she, she, like, got alien ears on. I don't know what's going on. But it's just, it's weird. Don't be weird. Okay, here, here's another word for you. Ready? Practical. Don't always dress to draw attention, but sometimes dress should be practical. Conservative. Well, I'm always trying to push the envelope. There's nothing wrong with being stylish. We got some stylish people in the church. All right? Be stylish. Praise God. But don't be weird. <laughs> if it doesn't look if it doesn't look conservative, now I, I wear a white shirt, black suit a lot, not because I'm ultra conservative. If you want to wear a striped shirt, great. I do it because it's easier to match. I do it because it's less to think about. But I know some people that they just like to always push the envelope. Everything's got to be edgy. They're missing what this Bible's saying about sobriety. And this is again talking about modest apparel. We're not talking just about their life and how they think. Let's talk about their apparel. Self-restraint. Oh, I just got to have it. Do you really have to have something that will make you look weird? <laughs> it, do you really have to have something that will make somebody look at you and go, that's a little too tight. And, and again, you got a pastor, you got a dad. Praise God. But, but there's got to be some conservative. Here's another word that we don't like. Strictness. Amen. Okay, let's continue on. Broidered hair, here's one that people have gotten misinterpreted many, many times. It means I can't, I, can't, I can't do anything with my hair. That's not what it's saying. It is to be intertwined with gold through the hair to make the hair look thicker or of a different color. Ooh. Amen. How about this one? Unusual hairdos. This goes for men and for ladies. My pastor always said for young men, keep it off your, off your ears and off your collars. Amen. That's some old school stuff right there. 
Don't don't be look don't be coming to church as a young man with a mohawk. Ladies don't have a six foot mohawk, amen. I could just say this, we'll talk about it another time, but uncut hair, untrimmed, unburned off. I just curled it enough till it burned off. I permed it till it burned off. No. Uh, it's, it's, don't be unusual with it. Amen. Uh, take care of it. If you need help on how to do that, talk to some of these beautiful apostolic women in our church. They'll help you figure out. Uh, but, but let me just say from an apostolic standpoint, as an apostolic to be, a, according to this, to model, amen, eternity, to model, amen, because there's not going to be any of this in heaven anyways, amen. If he's telling us not to do it here on earth, it won't be in heaven. So we, we got to get it taken care of now. We don't, as an apostolic person, we don't paint our face plain, shamefacedness. We don't paint our face. Well, it's just a little cover-up. You don't need it. God created you. Praise God. We don't paint our face or our hair. Well, I'm getting a little bit of gray hair. You're getting wiser than the rest of us. Let everybody know how wise you are. And somebody said amen. In the first century Roman culture, especially with what Paul was dealing with, women would customarily braid or twist their hair high onto their heads, decorating it with, with gold and jewels and all these things just to garner a little more attention. The ornate displays indeed drew a public response but the apostles point is that to flaunt one's beauty for selfish adoration is not in line with the humility of Jesus Christ if the first thing they think is man that person's a little wild uh, it's not going to lead them necessarily to Jesus amen or we'll move on everybody say golden pearls say I'm apostolic this word is crusos Okay, I, I thought it meant just gold, talking about the element. No. This word for gold actually means the idea of using the metal as an article or an ornament to be worn. Everybody say jewelry. This is why we don't wear jewelry. Praise God. Well, it's just a little thing. That's what the Bible says. Again, I'm not making it up. You can look it up for yourself. Gold or pearls. The idea of using the metal as an article. He said, do not adorn yourself with that. Take it off. Praise God. Everybody clear on that? If you're in leadership, take it off. You want to just visit, do your thing. Praise God. But if you want to be in leadership, that's the line. Don't like it. I'm not going to apologize for it. My pastor taught it. The Bible explicitly says it. There's times where I have to go, well, here's the principle. But when I can look at the actual Greek word and it says that we are not to wear things, that, that the gold or pearls that are used as an article or an ornament to be worn, I'm not going to eradicate the verse in the Bible. Praise God. Everybody said amen. Everybody say costly array. Here's where we get a little bit difficult. It literally means extremely expensive. Here's the problem. What is expensive to you is not expensive to me. And vice versa. However, there are some things we can all agree on. Are expensive. Now, you can't necessarily, again, the principle, the Christian principle is don't judge your brother. Leave him alone. If they want to wear something, as long as it's modest and it's godly, you leave him alone. But... We should never be wearing suits and skirts and dresses and shoes that are so expensive that when we come to church to worship, come on, 
That brother that was sweaty touched my, touched my suit and wrinkled it. This is a custom suit made by somebody in California. And I, dance in church? Oh, oh, never. Never. I would never dance at church. Do you know how expensive these shoes are? Some visitor comes by and steps and scuffs your shoes and you look at them with hatred. There's something wrong with what you've got going. You'd be better off going to Goodwill. If your shoes cost more than some people's house payment, you probably have some extremely expensive, costly array. If, if, if it's all for status, and we got to be careful because I know this is an issue on the West Coast. It's not necessarily an issue everywhere. It's an issue in the West Coast, and it's an issue in the Bible Belt of the South where they've got belts that cost more than my mortgage. And you know what it is? It's a status symbol. Well, I know I'm on live stream, but I might as well. And, and as long as you got the status symbol and you got that Gucci belt on, amen, just so you can fit in with a worldly mindset, I want to tell you you're not modest. Let me just let me just blow some theology. I'll probably get I'll probably get blasted for this, but I don't really care right now. There, here you want to hear an oxymoron? You want to hear an oxymoron? You know what that is? Things that are things that are they're not related. They don't they they, they shouldn't go together. Okay, it's kind of like Christ and the devil. They don't go together. Here's one for you: modest modeling. You follow them on Instagram. Let's talk about it. Modest modeling. To be modest, you are to not draw attention to oneself. And yet you are modeling to draw one attention to oneself. It is no longer modest. It is just modeling. Praise God. And and you got and there's people right now, and, and I don't pastor them, they got a pastor and a dad. Amen. But but they want to show off their shoes. And there's nothing wrong with coming to church and taking a picture with your loved ones and letting people know you had a great church service. And there's, there's nothing wrong with showing people that you had a great whatever. It, it's fine. Uh, you got a new house. You got a new car. Praise God. You got new clothes. That's wonderful. But if it's, oh, yeah, I got the belt from Gucci and I got the shoes from Christian Louboutin and uh, I got all. And you're just showing it off. You're not, you're not modest anymore. And you've got costly array. And you're just showing off to everybody else what they don't have. Amen. Somebody said, praise God. An hour and 52 seconds. Praise God. Everybody stand across the building. Here's how I like to teach. Thorough. And get this. We done. We're done. We ain't have nothing else to talk about. Praise God. Let's finish this out. Because it's not just, again, this can translate either men or women. That don't, don't array and adorn yourself with all this other stuff. But adorn yourself with that which becomes women professing godliness. The inner belief must express itself in outward behavior. If I believe in being modest in my heart, it should express its way, to, its way into the way I dress. If I believe in being humble then it should express itself in my daily activities. If I believe as a man, can I talk to the men for a moment? As having my mind cleared out and my conscience pure, then it should, it should express its way through my cell phone and through my internet history and through how I treat my spouse and how I treat other people. Amen. It should, it, should, it, should, it should change the way I interact with other people, not getting into disputes and debates and all of these different things. 
in this moment when he says, you should portray and ordain, adorn yourself and, and show forth yourself as women professing godliness, it seems as if Paul is contradicting himself. He is telling them in the previous text that we exegeted here tonight, not to draw attention to themselves. Yet in this portion of scripture, he is telling them to stand out as women professing or standing out in godliness. He is not contradicting his previous statement, but he is echoing what Peter said. Let the hidden man or woman of the heart be what shines through and stands out. Let it not be what you put on that stands out and makes you different, but let it be what shines through. I don't want people to look at me and see me. I want people to look at me and see Jesus. I want people to look at Apostolic Revival Center, seeing the men, the women, the young men, the young ladies, the kids, and they see people that are striving to be like Jesus. Is that your prayer here tonight? Would you lift up your hands for just a moment? Let's pray. Come on, I want to be like Jesus here tonight. How about you? I know this was very heavy here tonight. I know this was intense, but... I want to be as thorough as we can so that we can give some understanding to those that maybe haven't understood fully. Amen. I want you to know that, that you're in an apostolic church here today, one that is striving, amen, to model eternity, to show to this lost and dying world, amen, what eternity's going to look like. There's not going to be immodesty in heaven. I, I, want, I want the world to see there's going to be modesty here in the church, amen. And, and, and in heaven, there's going to be, amen, people, amen, that have, that have got the right spirit and they've got the right mindset. And God right here on earth, I want to be able to lift up my hands with holy hands, without wrath or doubting God, without my mind wandering, without, amen, debating and all these emotions of anger and vengeance and all these different things. And I want to make sure that the hidden man or hidden woman of the heart is what's on display. I want to open up this altar. Would you come here tonight? We're going to take a few moments. We're going to pray. This is not an admission of guilt, but an opportunity to say, God, I want to be more like you. I heard, I heard my pastor here tonight and I want to say yes, God. I want to say yes, and I want to say, Lord, maybe there's some things I, I've got to alter a little bit because I haven't been displaying eternity properly, and I haven't been displaying modesty properly, and I haven't been displaying Christian behavior or Christian attire, God. I'm going to pray, Lord, that you would wash me here today. Maybe, men, there's some actions, some activities, some thought processes that you need to lift up your hands, and maybe those hands are a little dirty, but you can lift them up right now, and under the unction of the Holy Ghost, He can cleanse you white as snow, the Bible says. Come on, maybe you need, you need God to touch your heart again. God, give me a heart like yours, a modest heart, a heart that is, that is truly seeking what is right. Come on, somebody pray right now. Every day he's changing me, making me what I should be. I want to be more and more like him. Come on, somebody pray right now. I want to be like Jesus. Maybe you might need to repent. 
God, help me to help me to do what's right. Maybe you just you struggle even when you're outside the building. God, help me to do this everywhere. Help me to be this way everywhere. Help me to be consistent. Maybe you're struggling with being balanced. God, help me to be balanced tonight. What I should be. Come on, maybe your maybe your apparel's too expensive and it's hindering your altar call and it's hindering even your ability to worship God. You're gonna have to lay it on the altar one day. You're gonna have to go home and say, That's gotta go, that's gotta go, that's gotta go. Every day he's changing me, making me come on, somebody pray. God, help me to be okay with what you created. I don't need to paint it. I don't need to tattoo it. I don't need to color it. God, I want to be what you called me to be. pray in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, this is the Word of God. We are, we are acknowledging what is written down in black and white, God, tonight. And we're saying, yes, Lord, maybe times we might struggle, but Lord, we agree with your Word. We agree with your Word, Jesus. We agree with your foundational principle, God. Jesus. Praise God. I think we have I don't just think, I know, and I believe we have a wonderful group of people. And everybody that's here tonight, your desire, just by being here, is that you want to you wanna grow. Amen. And as we grow individually, we should always focus on growing individually. The church is going to grow numerically. There can never be church growth without individual growth. He told Abraham, I'll bless you, and in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So as God blesses you and I and God helps you and I grow, the church itself grows. And, and, and if, we, if we say, God, I, I don't know about that. We say, I, I, I just, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. We are stunting our personal growth because we have seen the scripture. We broke it down word by word. And we said, no, nah, that's not for me. The unfortunate side effect is that somebody's going to come into the church and see somebody who can say, oh, I've been here 20 years. But you don't look like you've been here 20 years. Hallelujah. And you lose your tenure. Because when they look for an example, I'm not going to point them your direction. Because I'm going to go, man, that will cause them confusion. Praise God. 
But there's something beautiful about people that say, God, I see it in your word. And I don't just want to do it in action, but I want it to be in my heart. As I preached and taught a law a few weeks ago, I love the master. Does anybody love Jesus tonight? Do you agree? Can we agree together? We're going to be an apostolic church. Can we agree together? Apostolic church doesn't look like the charismatic church. Apostolic church doesn't worship like the charismatic church. <laughs> if you want a charismatic church, this is not the place for you. Amen. We love you. We'll pray for you. God bless you. If that's what you're looking for, this is not the place. Now, I want you to stay. This is where I want you to be. But if you just come to that crux and that, 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 that meeting of, of two ways, the fork in the road, I want you to know what kind of church you're in tonight and what kind of church you're going to be in in 30 years. Praise God. Is that, is that plain? Did I say it plain tonight? Praise God. Is that all right? We are building an apostolic church. We have to agree together. Because the issue can be that I'm trying to build an apostolic church and you're trying to build your own kingdom and there's confusion in the church. We can have that. This is why all of our leaders sign a form. You sign that form, live that form. Not because we can say, oh, we got another one on the list. If you sign that form, you live that form. Praise God. Amen. Let's lift up our hands one more time. We're building an apostolic church. Not pastorhood, not sisterhood. We all are building an apostolic church. Let's pray. An apostolic church that future generations can come to and look just like you look tonight. Look apostolic. Amen. Worship apostolic. Amen. Live their lives and raise their kids apostolic. Come on, let's pray right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, an apostolic church is where your kids and grandkids will be saved and your lost loved ones will pray back through that. Compromise is not going to save them, but standing firm in, in, in holiness and in modesty is going to keep this Father's house looking like Father's house. And it's not going to change the location of Father's house. Amen. It's the place they know how to get back to it. Amen. God, I pray that you would help us to hold fast to the faith, the profession. Amen. That we have believed and that we have received of the traditions of our fathers and the doctrines that we have received. God, I pray right now that this would go with us in not just deed, not just word, but Lord, in our hearts and in our spirits in the name of Jesus Christ and everybody said amen shake hands be friendly